0: It's a bonus Locked On Guardians podcast with this team advancing to the postseason. I felt like I had to do a show, so it's not going to be full length. It's a quick hitter. Just some thoughts on these two games, taking how I typically break down games, and also just taking a moment to enjoy what was a pretty sweet first two games on Locked On on this bonus edition of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, doing a little kicking it old school, doing a solo show. I'm just going to kind of move this camera around. Uh, mostly because I am so excited about how everything turned out. Can we take a moment though and just like talk some trash? I got very tired. I did a whole show about this like narrative that this is not a good team. That you know they only got in because they faced the American League Central. The American League Central is a bad division. The Guardians aren't very good. They're in the AL East. They'd be in last place. You know, ladi ladi da. All of those things. I do want to point out right now, the AL East, both teams were eliminated without winning a single game. The AL East has zero wins. Not only did both the wildcard teams get knocked out, but neither won a single game. That's what happened. Toronto, Tampa, goodbye. And I like Tampa quite a bit. It's a team that's really beat up to even make the postseason an accomplishment, honestly. But this is pretty sweet. Like The, the Twins fans, I mean, like, Congratulations on making the postseason so you can get swept in the opening round. Now we can say, hey, they won two games. When was the last time the Twins won at all? Maybe I took it a little too personally. Maybe it's not, you know, uh, the high road, but it is the entertaining road. Like I said, there were so many people who, this is a young, fun team. What a performance. We're going to get into each of these games. Like I said, it's not going to be a full episode, but this is just a bonus because we're advancing. New York Yankees on deck. Tampa Bay Rays in the rearview mirror. So, did I get to watch all of these games in their entirety live? No. Uh, I did not. Uh, as I mentioned, the weird start times were a killer. And we won't have any more of those. they will be evening games. Though Saturday's game t- almost turned into an evening game with how it just kept going and going and going. But let's first talk about Friday very quickly. Let's do how I normally handle one of these games. Let's kind of go through, talk about who reached base twice. Let's talk about the box score. Bingo, let's give the three stars. But it's also just what stood out. One, Shane Bieber. No hitter until the fifth inning. By the way, Tristan McKenzie also had a no hitter until the fifth. Just a fun little stat. Uh, But, I mean, you go back to 2020 when he was Mr. World. When he won the Triple Crown and pitching when it hasn't been done in forever. And then he got lit up by the Yankees as worst start of the year. You can't tell me that wasn't in the back of his mind that this wasn't on some degree a redemption game and that he's not going to be looking for more now that they're facing the Yankees again. I He was just unhittable it, that he it, not only was it a no hitter through five, he had walked one uh, batter, but then induced a double play. So he was facing the minimum through the first four innings, final line, seven and two thirds, three hits, one earned run, one walk, eight strikeouts, a home run to Jose Siri of all people. I couldn't believe that was it. And then <laughs> my general frustrations in this one, listen, I, you know, if you listen to the show, I thought the Guardians would win this one and blow it. I was saying they're going to blow it out. What well, Justin said it was a one run game. He was right there. Uh, I was wrong. If you want to go the other side of it, uh, I said they'd sweep. And he said he thought it might go three. So we each, we each had something we got right and wrong in this series. But what a performance by Bieber. Uh, I loved Tito going and getting Class A. That is a good Postseason move, going out, getting your closer, getting one of the elite of the elite. When you want to talk about the top three relief pitchers in baseball, he's in that discussion. If you're not putting him in there, then you haven't watched him. And I know we sometimes get too focused on like the off day or the strikeout rates, and it's like you. T- there was a great thing they talked about on the broadcast today. If you missed it, then in the month of July, he is the number was two, and that was the total hits he gave up. He's a He's the best of the best. Like, just end of story there. Yeah, I was annoyed about Owen Miller playing. Uh, Owen Miller, since May 1st, has a bottom five, runs creative plus in baseball. Over the course of the whole season, he is 24th worst. For those who don't know, it's a metric that takes all the data, puts it together, and just talks about who are the most effective hitters. Bottom 24 hitter since that hot, uh, the whole season, bottom five hitter if we go from May on. And he's still getting, not only is he getting reps, which are putting him above Andres Jimenez. Now, Jimenez, I know, was not great on Saturday. We'll get into that. But still, Owen Miller, whew. They needed, you know, it's the one thing, if I could go back in time and, like, not even a big trade, just get him a solid platoon bat. Get him Connor Joe look I talked about on this podcast. How nice would that be? They win. It's a close affair. They had some opportunities and some chances and then just couldn't get it across. Owen Miller with runners on. No success. Uh, Then Jose comes up with the big home run. Uh, Ahmed gets on. Jose hits his 30th of the year. Uh, Doesn't count to get a 30 home run here for the Guardians because it's the postseason. But still, comes in, hits the two-run shot, the inning after they hit the one-run shot. And that's all she wrote. Two-to-one win. Cleveland had eight hits and zero walks. And... trying to remember there were hit batters in saturday's game i don't think there were in fridays so uh one error so they had nine opportunities that should be about three runs they got two their side was three hits and a walk so that's four opportunities it should be one run hey they got one run it matched up pretty equally this time the battle of the shanes lived up to the billing that is for sure it was a spectacular pitching effort some might argue that it's Bad offense, I think it was just great pitching. I just think it was great pitching in this game overall. And again, just this first win was awesome because after having dealt with so much of Guardians are bad, they're lucky, they're just, you know, it's an automatic buy. Look at what champion and Tristan McKenzie did. Look at what the bullpen did today and tell me this is an easy team to face. Offense working or not, it's what I've talked about for months that this is a tough team because their 1-2 can stand with anyone's 1-2 and no one can match their bullpen depth. And we saw that on Saturday, which we'll get into in segment two. But what a game. Who had uh, who reached base multiple times in this game? Well, they had no walks. So it's just Ahmed and Jose who reached base. It was a multi-hit game for those two. I mean, two of the stars are exceptionally easy. It's Bieber and Jose. I mean, that's that's pretty straightforward. I'll give it to Ahmed with the third one um, with the two hits. Yeah, this was just a really solid performance. You would have liked to have seen those eight hits be a little more linked together to to maybe not make this as close of a game. But he didn't need much because Shane Bieber was exceptional. And Emmanuel, Cla- Emmanuel Classe has been, like I said, he is... If he can even keep up ninety percent or eighty percent of what he did this year, he's going to retire the greatest reliever in this franchise's history. Uh, So it's it's going to be something to watch. But yeah, game one, one went in, and although you know it was immediately all the all the haters, all the doubters, I was just kind of like, this is a good team. You're going to see this is a good team, and we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll come back discuss game two I got a lot more thoughts on game two because it went so long so there's so many things to potentially talk about uh about the clincher and again this is a truncated episode it is a bonus episode it is just me kind of chatting about how I feel about these games because uh, listen it's 10 o'clock my time 11 o'clock eastern and I'm still very juiced about this series so I thought hey there's got to be someone on Sunday who wants to hear me randomly chatter so bonus episode and our sponsor for the bonus episode is BetOnline.net, your number one source. Oh, I'm just going to do this. BetOnline.net, your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchup, news, podcast, and in-depth articles and analysis for every game you can find. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. I mean, they mean literally every sport out there. And by the way... If you're having a hard time finding a radio broadcast, you can often find that at Bet Online. Go check out your games, go check out just a bonus bit of information. Uh, go check that out. The fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Betonline, where the game starts. Should we just take a second and say, like with Bet Online? Remember, Cleveland had the lowest odds of any team uh, to win. They, had, they were the smallest favorites. Uh, so if you had gone and put some money on you could have made a few bucks. Uh, you definitely would have made more um, if you'd bet on you know, one of the non-favorites. But if you, you were looking for a way, the best chance to make money while betting on a favorite was with the Cleveland Guardians. Now let's talk about that second game because, oh boy. What a game, right? (laughs) Part of it, yes. Part of it, no. Parts of it was somewhat interminable. Uh, And then it was just lots of anxiety for the rest. Sorry about the weird pause. Felt like a cough was coming that never came. But yeah, this was the most strikeouts ever in a postseason game. By the way, uh, Cleveland had 19 and then... 20 for tampa that's 39 strikeouts even guys like yandy diaz known for not striking out had two you know Quan struck out uh everyone in the lineup struck out for cleveland who played the whole game and the same for tampa like there was not anyone and even guys who came in for a little bit um had strikeouts it was an odd odd game you saw uh Jimenez we talked about it It was a poor game for him five at bats five strikeouts now should we talk about the weird one like how did they if okay so if you missed it there was a situation where (coughs) see I try to stop so I don't cough on Mike I still cough on Mike I apologize Uh, isn't asthma lovely asthma the, the lung disorder just in case anyone misheard that um so to go back I believe it was a hit for Oscar Gonzalez, by the way. Well, I'll get into it. But Oscar Gonzalez had a hit. Andres gets up, and then they call strike three, and he's like, that's strike two, sending Oscar to third. And the umpire's like, no, that's strike three. And it's, it's super weird because strike two online was listed as a foul ball. Now, if you watch the game, a pitch was bearing in on Andres. I don't know why he swung, but it was a check swing. He clearly didn't go around, and it was clearly not a strike, yet it was called a strike. But Jimenez didn't realize it. He's like, of course, that's a ball. I didn't go around, and the umpire apparently didn't call it loud enough for him to hear it, so he didn't even know what the count was. So that was unfortunate and weird. I... Dick was a pretty awful call if he's calling that a strike for any reason whatsoever, but hey, they overcame. Uh, the other things that kind of stood out going through, uh, Tristan McKenzie, we talked about that he matched Bieber, and Bieber was spectacular. Six innings, two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, no earned runs. These two games were combined 24 innings. Tampa had nine hits in 24 innings. In game one, Cleveland had eight hits. They had almost as many hits in the first game as Tampa managed in this entire series. Pitching was just phenomenal, ninety nine one inning one walk, no strikeouts. It's all like you didn't give up a run, but it's like when he gets no strikeouts, it's almost a bad inning. I'm kidding. If anyone's like out there being like, like relative to him, it's odd, more odd than bad when there's no strikeouts. But if you don't give up a run as a reliever, you did your job. End of story. Trevor Steffen looked the best he's looked in about two weeks. In that inning, he was able to control the splitter. Very positive side. Class A comes out and is Class A sandlin didn't have it uh he was ahead was it oh two or one two and then gave up the walk gave up the hit put this team in a bad situation a ball there was a comebacker he hurt himself like getting low we don't know the whole thing it was not you know again he didn't give up a run so you kind of look at it that way like he kind of did his job but Eli Morgan, who I'll be honest, I was definitely afraid when they brought him in that situation because you had, was the runner in scoring position, I feel like? I, I believe so. The runner was at second base. Uh, and then it's Francisco Mejia, former guardian, and he's up, o, I want to say O two. 2 At least I know it was two strikes. And it looks like for the life of me that Mejia just got a single, except for here comes Miles Straw, like a speeding demon out of the outfield. And for people who really dislike Miles Straw, I put a tweet up today. And go look at his data on fan graphs. Go look at his runs created pluses and his defensive run saved. And he's basically the Omar Vizquel of center field. Now, I mean that purely on the baseball diamond. Nothing off of it. But they are eerily similar statistically. Just want to throw that out there. He's that good defensively. And honestly, Cleveland doesn't win this game. If that ball drops, I think they score right there. Uh so that was that was a, you know, a saving play. Uh not the cleanest inning for De Los Santos, but what a play. but you know, I I questioned the challenge at first just cuz that's never going to get overturned. Like what's the point? You're making your pitcher wait, you're messing with his rhythm. Um, you know, yes, you get. Everyone was quick to point out you get two in the postseason. I'm like, that's fine, but why? Why even bother? That play at first base never, um, never gets overturned. Never, ever, ever. Like trying to say that like the ball got there or on the not the. Well, yeah, it was at first. It's like when you go back to the, the plate, it, you're just wasting time. Like that, I would argue you do that when you need your pitchers to get a few more reps in the bullpen. Not so much. Uh, because of any other reason, but yeah, I, I wonder if that was part of the reason and wasn't as sharp, like he had to sit there and wait while they went through this review. Uh, then I mean, what a pick by Jose, what a throw across the diamond. Well, you know, I know the big pick is to Naylor, but I mean, Jose had to pick it, make that throw all the way across the diamond Naylor. He's going to be sore. He, th- I mean, Jose and Naylor combined in back-to-back innings to have amazing pickoff plays to end the inning. First one was clearly the better of the two, but still, uh what a job. It, it's interesting because, like, Naylor, we often talk about the defense, but he's really good at that, like, you know, extended pick. Tampa, Tampa's coach is like, he's off, he's off. I mean, the minute you saw the first replay, you're like, no, his toe's touching. Uh It was huge because they, not that the Guardians did anything in the next inning, but the one after, or the one after that, uh, But they eventually got it in. Listen, I'm going to throw in a commercial break here. We're going to come back, talk about, give Oscar his due. We're going to give Sam Henches his due. Give the catchers their due. There's a lot of players who deserve some dues in this one. So we'll take a quick break and come back. So let's start with Sam Henches. What a performance. Like, I was kind of getting annoyed. If I'm being honest, like... After San, even before Sandlin, I was like, let's go henches if you're gonna let's just put all of our big guns in a row here. It's like Sandlin, that's fine. He is you know he's not there's the three-headed monster which went earlier. And then I put henches kind of between them and then Sandlin and then a gap with like NEL and kind of that next grouping. So there's a, a top four, a top five and a top three I think very clearly. you can hit me up on my Twitter HFMOV draft. What do you think about that? Is that fair? And honestly, I think it's a one, a two, three, a a clear four, a clear five, clear six. No, yeah, the six and on is another group. But I I was surprised. I'm like, we're we're putting him over Morgan. We're having Morgan go. We're having De Los Santos go. And I get it. Maybe you want to keep one of your elite arms for tomorrow's game because they would have played on the day maybe you're listening to this on Sunday. But they put him out there and I don't know if he's gone three innings all year. Yeah, I could click on his stats and see that, but he has not been that guy. He's not often a guy who even goes a full inning. He got kind of used I don't want to say in a loogie role, but he definitely had his um you know, his pitching curtailed this year. And yes, he is a former starter, but he has not you know, there's a reason why we talk about stretching guys out. Like he has not been <laughs> stretched out to sit there and do that, but you know, good on him like he was he was nails he was absolutely nails Tristan McKenzie is the star pitcher of this game Sam Henches is just a step behind him like those two w- when it comes time to give the three stars I'm giving it to McKenzie I'm giving it to Henches and I'm giving it to Oscar like those are the three for me the the catchers by the way since the home plate umpire was terrible they I mean Mailey and Hedges were framing so well anything that was just barely off they'd frame in and the umpire never got it like there were so many calls i'm like that's oh, immediate oof but they're so good at framing and that's where and why that we talk about and that's why cleveland has always gone for framing pitchers who have high frame rates who just can move the ball or move the ball move the glove so it always looks like it's in the zone they got you know additional strikeouts just because of that um it, it was a weak umpire crew. let's be honest weak umpire in that one but yeah, this team, uh, the framing was great, and that really helped out someone like Henches. But he was also just awesome. Let's see, he had uh, two and two-thirds against Tampa, That's or Houston. That's the highest I see for him. There were a few that went two innings, but yeah, I think this was his longest outing of the year. Wait till the postseason to go give him his longest outing of the year. And the other thing you have to point out with why this performance by him was so exceptional is this Tampa lineup is is right-handed heavy. Like, he was not facing lefties. Like, he is not to say he's bad against righties, but he is definitely deaf on lefties. And he didn't get that advantage. And he was still just utterly amazing in this game. What a performance by Sam Henches. Uh, He, like I said, he gets the win, well-deserved win, three innings, six strikeouts, allowed three hits. And, yeah, like, Jose helped him out. There were a few plays that were able to help bail him out man, I, when they sent him out for the third inning, I'm like, ugh, no problems there. Uh, he was great. And that's the story of this game right now. Like, we'll get into Oscar, who's definitely the story of the game. But you can easily miss, because the game was so darn long, McKenzie and what he did for six innings. You can miss what the bullpen did. I mean, the bullpen didn't allow chack Stefan, Klasse, Sandlin, Morgan, didn't allow one hit. That's five innings. They didn't allow a hit for five straight innings. Now, on the 15th, it got a little hairy. They got out of it, but there were two hits. At that point in time, I went and looked at the data. Cleveland's last two hits, one, they had had one hit in extra innings. The 10th through the 14th, one hit. The previous one was the, uh, uh, the hit before in the seventh inning. And, I mean, we got pretty, like, into the 12th inning. They only had seven base runners, three of them, in that sixth inning, which we should, we'll touch on briefly here. Load the bases, harden the order up, strikeout, double play. I mean, that was, that would have been the centerpiece of this game if they had lost. But they won, so we just will gloss over and move. But it looked hairy there. I'm using that way too much. It was in their half of the 15th. First and third with one out, I believe worked his way out of it. Everyone did their part. You did see a few points in this game where you thought maybe it would turn because Ahmed just needed a little more range. Maybe, you know, just a little more reach going high. But those weren't plays you would say were bad plays. Like, any time a guy's got to leave his feet, that's not on him. I'm sure there's a few people out there, you know, having some hate. And it was not his best game, but I don't get mad about those plays. And in general, in this game, let's, let's talk about Cleveland had... Three walks and I believe two hit batters. Yeah. So that's five. They had five hits. They had 10 opportunities. That should be about three runs. They got one. Tampa had six hits, five walks. That's 11 opportunities. They should have had three to four. They got zero. It was no one could string anything together. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, two hits. I believe that is the only. Oh, and then Miles Straw. Those are the two players who reach base twice in this one because Straw had a hit and a walk. And then you had um, Oscar Gonzalez with the two hits. So I was getting texts from Justin who was at the game. I've got, you know, the game day MLB and I've got the video and I'm kind of clicking around. I also got the Twitter open. I'm doing a bunch of ones and I click to the game day one in between innings. and I see Oscar Gonzalez ball in play runs. and I'm like, Video feed isn't cut up yet, but I'm assuming he just did a home run. About a minute later, home run. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm jumping up and down, I'm losing my mind. But what a home run off of old friend Corey Kluber. And listen, I love Corey Kluber to death. I love him even more today after that. But what a performance! What a hit! It was again just to knock that one out to advance to the next round. Yankees are on deck and like the Oscar Gonzalez story in general is just a great story. He was never a top 10 prospect. He always had good physical tools, but we statistically look at what he does and it's like, it is very rare to find that profile and be successful. And I say this because it wasn't just him. It wasn't just me. I should say, sorry, quick little things. I lost my train of thought. Oscar Gonzalez was never a big name. And it wasn't just me sitting here. I know people are like, you're hating on him again. I'm not, I think he has earned that position for, you know, at least half of next year, if not all of next year to prove himself. I'm not hating on him. I'm merely stating facts because Cleveland protected 12 rookies last year. By adding a player to your 40 man roster, you keep them um, ineligible for the rule five draft. And it also means they don't get minor league free agency. Cleveland didn't choose to do that. He was exposed. And you're like, there's no Rule 5 draft this past year. That's fine. Guess what? In 2021, he was exposed as well, and no one took him. So the entire league had a chance to take him. No one took him. I'm sure if a team had like expressed to his agent that they would provide him an opportunity, he may not have stayed. But he was a minor league free agent. He chose to stay. Cleveland didn't add him to their roster. He could have been taken in the Rule 5. So he's exposed... <laughs> Left unprotected twice, could have been a minor league free agent. Could have left. Has to start the year watching Bobby Bradley play every day, taking his at bats. Watched, you know, a series of other players. Watched them go out and play washed up vets. Uh, and yes, the profile is what scared me. It's what scared the team, and it's you know a profile we'll have to see. But it's we see teams kind of accepting it a little more at points, and. He said, I'm, not, I'm not betting against him. I, I, I think that would be a foolish move. But the bigger point is, Cleveland could have lost him so many times. I finally give an opportunity, he runs with it. He's not going to get the Rookie of the Year chatter, he should. And was he a top five rookie in the American League? No. Was he a top six? No. There's a really clear top six to me. Is he top ten? Absolutely. Absolutely. And saying he's top 10, you might be like, why does that matter? You know, (laughs) voting is only top five. Because this is the deepest rookie class I've ever seen in my entire life. That's why it matters. So when you say, yeah, he's not top three, he's not top five, he's not top... Almost every other year, he would be. And to see him step up and just... He hit so many home runs in the minors, and it's been interesting because he hasn't done it as much yet in the big leagues. Once he starts... And that's, that's the thing, too. Like, for as much as we might all be like, well, he doesn't walk quite enough, or there's a lot of swing and miss. He hasn't unlocked his power, which he's traditionally had. So you could also make a very good argument, and I'll make it now, that there might be more growth. That once he kind of figures out how to hit for better power in the big leagues, that he could get even better. We worry about regression, which, I mean, you worry about that with any player. But let's also look at optimization, isn't there? That home run... I mean, it's the hit of the year so far, right? It's either that or the Josh Naylor uh, Grand Slam. Those are like the two big contenders in my mind. But it's just, it's a great story. A great story because, again, doubted at every turn by me. (laughs) Yours truly. Underestimated. Multiple times he could have been gone. And he sends him to the next round of the postseason. Three stars in this one, Tristan McKenzie, Sam Henches, Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, this is a Jeff Ellis fail grouping because, you know, I've had my doubts about Tristan McKenzie at points. And part of that is because, honestly, like, since CeCe Sabathia, they haven't developed a high school kid. I just never had much faith in their ability to do it. It's a pretty ugly track record. And then there was consistency issues. Now I look like a moron, and I'm happy. Sam Henches, I thought they should let like, go last season. <laughs> moron very happy Oscar Gonzalez I kept being like when's the shoe gonna drop and I'm not gonna be that way anymore I'm just gonna enjoy him and hope that he is a unicorn because you know what Tristan McKenzie is a unicorn Sam Henches is a bit of a unicorn honestly just with his build and size and velocity for a lefty not as much though, but McKenzie and Gonzalez 100% are and this team does a really good job at finding the unicorn I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Guardians bonus episode. I ended up not going short because isn't this team so much fun? If you're fixated on anything else, you're just missing out. This is a fun team. Uh, Yes, I had some quibbles with lineup, but all in all, I thought Tito has done a fantastic job. I don't really have any big issues. He is when you get into the postseason, I think he goes into more of a micro mode that I think he is better at. I think he's better when it's, like, more of a micro instead of a macro. I think when he is kind of just all hands-on all the time and more willing to make a minor move, he is he's awesome. I think postseason Tito is 100% better than regular season Tito. I think postseason Tito is, like, maybe— is definitely one of the top three managers in baseball. So I love postseason Tito because this is where he, like— he likes, he likes to, being a bit of a player's manager, I understand, that's part of his thing, he likes to give them room and space for growth and everything else, but man, when he gets in the postseason and you see him turn into the micromanager, he does it so well. I just wish we saw more of it during the season, but I know, it's not his style. So, yeah, a lot of lot of Eaton Crow, very happily eat and Crow. Uh, Guardians have the Yankees, uh, the New York Yankees, who... We're sliding hard down the stretch. I would much rather face New York than Houston or Seattle, honestly, right now. So I'm, you know, we'll see. This could go poorly, but there's also some nice stories with that early season, what happened in New York with the Guardians. And you can't tell me that's not going to motivate him. I've been Jeff Ellis. This is a bonus episode of Locked on Guardians. I hope you're as excited as I am. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, Subscribe on YouTube. We're at 700-something. Please get us to 1,000. That's a huge thing for our small podcast. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.